Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The podcast is about to begin. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 91 of the Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Romero Jr., a.k.a. The Graveyard Grumbler. Today's episode, we are heading out to Canada, Toronto specifically, as my pal Sarah would tell me is pronounced. Out here in Texas, it's Toronto. Either way, still the same thing. Toronto, Toronto, same place. Today, we are actually going to be looking at a serial killer that was found out there in that area. The reason why I decided to do that, it actually popped up on my feed, which is weird. I don't, I, I don't subscribe to any serial killer magazines or information or notifications or anything like that. But I was Googling over to finish up some other projects and it popped up saying, check out this worst, uh, this serial killer out in Canada. I was like, all right, cool. So I checked it out and goddamn, I mean, he's not the most brutal, but he's pretty fucked up to be honest with you. I, I didn't even know that, that Canada received that kind of a- aggravation out there. I thought it was just all, you know, friendly stuff about, uh, booze, moose, and syrup. That's what I thought it was. I'm just kidding. That was fucked up assumption. I'm joking. I'm joking. So let's go ahead and get into it. So today's episode is going to be about Bruce MacArthur. He was a serial killer out of Toronto, and he did some pretty fucked up shit. Let's get into it. Who is Bruce MacArthur? Thomas Donald Bruce MacArthur, or Bruce MacArthur, was born on October 8th, 1951 in Lindsay, Ontario, and was raised on a farm in Argyle near Woodville in the Kawartha Lakes region. In addition to raising MacArthur and his sister, his parents fostered troubled children from Toronto, often with six to ten in their care at any given time, and had a good reputation in the area, according to a family friend. Now, what's crazy is I was actually born October 7th, 1981. So homeboy's 30 years older than me, almost exactly almost 30 years, or exactly 30 years older than me, given off by one day. That's nuts. It, it always cracks me up whenever I see people who did some, who have done some really bad shit born around the time of my birthday or pass away around the time of my birthday. It always cheers me out, especially when they're born. Because if they're born around my birthday, I figure, damn, was I supposed to be as fucked up as these people? Or did I beat the, the curve? Or what, what's going on over here? And I don't know. It just makes me laugh. It's one of the little side notes. Now, so here's my opinion. Now, I understand that you're doing great. You're fostering children. But what happens with your regular children? I mean, they kind of get pushed off to the side. They don't feel very appreciated. They're hard to hear, have a voice. And they might get treated just like the other kids, kind of thrown off onto the wayside. Now, I don't know if that's fully accurate or if that's just my my assumption of, of the whole process. But if you, have, if you already have sisters and a brother, you're biological, then you have your fostering kids. That's a lot of mouths to feed. That's a lot of stress to have for a family to go to go through. Now, I'm not sure how, how crazy that, that actually was. But I mean, if, if that happened here in my household, I think my, my kids would feel a little left out and a little uh, kind of under the radar, just kind of forgotten about. A young MacArthur attended a one-room schoolhouse outside Woodville. A classmate recalled him trying to be the teacher's pet and informing of mischief by the other boys with whom he did not fit in. He was also known for winning singing contests. Oh, so MacArthur, a young MacArthur was a little snitch. He wanted to be a teacher's pet so bad that he wanted to snitch out the homies. Oh, hey man, I don't know if you know MacArthur, but snitches get stitches, homeboy. Well, I don't even know if that's a saying out there in Canada. That's just out here in the hood. I don't know about, about in Canada. 
I mean, it never works out when you're trying to be the teacher's pet or a kiss ass period. It, it always backfires. You always get people going against you. You're always, ha- you always have a target on your back. It's just better just to stay quiet, do your thing. If you make a lot of friends, great. If you make one friend, great. There's no point in trying to shit on other people just to have, just to make more friends and make a better person for yourself. It just, that, that's just not cool. So he had a good voice. I mean, well, depending on what the other talent was around that area, he might not have, he might not have had a good voice. His voice was just better than the rest of the people. I don't know. I haven't heard any of his demos. I was waiting for his demo, but I didn't hear anything. MacArthur's mother was was Irish Catholic and his father a Scottish Presbyterian. Both were devout, causing arguments in which MacArthur supported his mother. This led to derision from his strict father, who MacArthur later felt may have sensed his homosexuality. Oh, there's always a bad thing. Whenever there's so much stress, whenever there's so many things, so many issues that are occurring within a family, especially a religious family... When there is something that's going against the Bible or against religion or against the book, the, the, the kid is the is always the main one to get the brunt of all the shit, especially if this kid is part of the LGBTQ community. In this case, this this kid was, MacArthur is. And when you have such devout devotion to religion from both families and you're trying so hard to find out who you are and you realize that you're homosexual and you're scared out of your mind to open up to your family because you know one of several things are going to happen to you, You're going to get outcasted, you're going to get the shit beat out of you, and you're going to be tormented and put into conversion therapy, which, by the way, Canada just outlawed, which is a great fucking movement for the world to follow. Conversion therapy is the most ridiculous, absurd thing that has ever happened. For those of you who don't know what conversion therapy is, conversion therapy is where you get sent to a religious compound, pretty much, and forced not to be homosexual. They force you into, into being straight. And reports from that have been torturous. They have been physically abusive, mentally abusive. It's just a a horrible, horrible thing for a horrible situation to put a child through. Or anyone in that matter, not even just a child, just every anyone, period. Conversion therapy is the most ridiculous thing that was ever fucking created. This led to, oh, let me see here. MacArthur had trouble accepting his sexual orientation, which would have been seen as abnormal in rural Ontario at the time. I mean, given the fact that back in the 50s and 60s, even 70s, being homosexual is was one of the most outrageous things someone can ever be. It, it wasn't accepted. It wasn't acknowledged. And it was, you are literally the scum of the fucking earth if you, if you were homosexual. The most ridiculous thing that I, that's ever been been an issue see the thing is what's crazy is that if you actually think about it back in the olden times back in the kings of kings days there was homosexuality thriving throughout the castles throughout the empires throughout the compounds so what's the difference it was just embarrassment and shame people felt like you shouldn't be touching weenies if you have a weenie shut your dumb ass up doesn't make any sense if you're homosexual great if you're not homosexual great but don't shit on other people for what they who they love and how who they're attracted to you can get fucked MacArthur was bused to nearby Fenelon Falls Secondary School for his secondary education, where he met and began dating Janice Campbell, both graduating in 1970. So even though he was, he's perceived or he assumed that he was a homosexual, he ended up dating a gal, which most of the time a lot of homosexual men will do to prove and try to convince themselves that they are not homosexual. A lot of times those relationships end in disasters. It's one of those deals to where... They should have just not dated them. And a lot of times children are born in the process, even though the husband is 100% homosexual. 
I, I mean, I understand you're still trying to figure out who you are, but at the same time, you're trying to save face and not get shitted on by, by the world. I understand that. MacArthur later graduated from a program in general business and married Campbell when he was 23 years old. MacArthur began working for Eaton's, Depart- Eaton's Department Store as a buyer's assistant around 1973 in a downtown Toronto building later demolished for construction of the Eaton Center. A few blocks north of where MacArthur was working, a gay village was forming on Yon Street between College Street and Wellesley Street. Well, easily. Well, Wellesley Street. Same-sex adult sexual behavior having been decrim- decriminalized in 1969. Hey, good for you, Canada, decriminalizing sexual behavior. Uh, there's still a lot of places here in the United States that that uh, don't that, that still see that homosexuality is, is a crime. You being a fucking idiot should be a crime. Boy, I tell you. MacArthur left Eaton's in 1978 and began working as a traveling salesman for McGregor Socks, soliciting department stores to carry his merchandise. He later worked as a merchandising representative for Stanfield's, for Stanfield's, a garment company. So the bad thing is that if this guy is supposed to be a serial killer, he's already been, he's already able to move about freely upon among different provinces in, I, I think that's what they're called, right, Sarah? I, they're not called states in in Canada. They're called provinces, I believe. If I'm if I'm wrong, let me know. Graveyard Grumbler at mail.com. Again, Graveyard Grumbler at mail.com. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast on Instagram, Podbean, and Podchaser and Good Pods. I'm I'm all I'm all over the place. But if you're if if you're gonna be not if you're gonna be, but if this guy is is a serial killer, he's able to move freely a, a around the provinces without really any any eyebrow raising for the fact that he's a salesman. And of course, a lot of salesmen are like, oh my gosh, this guy's at the fucking door again. Don't answer it. But he, you know, no one really suspects him as a killer. In the mid-1970s, MacArthur father, fa- MacArthur's father was diagnosed with a brain tumor and was sent to a nursing home. MacArthur, MacArthur became disappointed when his mother took interest in another man and grew much closer to his father at the, okay, hold on. Rephrase that. Let me. I messed that up. MacArthur became disappointed when his mother took interest in another man, and he grew much closer to his father during this time. Unfortunately, his mother died of cancer in 1978, and his father died in 1981. That's the year that I was born. October 7th of 1981. In 1979, MacArthur and his wife moved into a house on Ormond Drive in Oshawa by by in Oshawa. By 1981, they had a daughter, Melanie, and a son, Todd. In 1986, the MacArthur's bought a home on Cartriff Avenue in Oshawa. He became very active in his church, keeping himself busy, busy to avoid his homosexual feelings. See, again, that's what I mentioned earlier, is that when, when a homosexual man, maybe women, I don't know, because I'm not a woman, I don't, I don't really know many homosexual women who aren't openly proud of their homosexuality or openly accepting of their homosexuality, when a man wants to prove that he's not gay, like I mentioned earlier, he's going to try to start a family trying to bury and avoid his true feelings of homosexuality and what he actually is attracted to, even though he's probably being tormented and hates every single day of his life knowing that he's, he's with a woman. It doesn't mention anything here about, about bisexuality. It's just here that he's, has, he's realizes that he's homosexual. And of course, around that time, again, it was very difficult for people to come out open and realize, yo, I'm a homosexual. I, I like weenies. There's nothing wrong with me. I just, I just like weenies and I don't want to marry a woman. But to avoid any conflict, any issue, he went as far as, as having two children, which, I mean, 
hey, you do what you have to do, man. Just long as long as what you do is working. MacArthur began having sexual affairs with men in the early 1990s. More than a year later, he came out of the closet to his wife, but they continued living together. See, there we go. Well, he could have just avoided all of that noise by just not marrying the woman. You don't need to convince yourself that you're that you're not gay. You don't need to convince anyone else that you're that you're not gay. Just enjoy your life. If you if it's if it's still a little too hot for you to come out, stay on the low low. Don't don't say anything. Just enjoy what you do, and wait for the perfect time to come out and be open and free. Don't force an unnecessary stressor in someone else's life. Sometime after 1993, MacArthur's employment in the clothing trade came to an end and the couples and the couple faced financial difficulty in part due to legal issues connected to their teenage son, Todd, who was obsessively making obscene phone calls to women. He did not know the couple mortgaged their home in 1997 and declared bankruptcy in 1999. God damn, that's all bad. You can get, you can get charged in, in for making obs- I guess that's harassment. If you continue making obscene phone calls to women, he that's yeah that's, that's harassment. Yeah, goddamn. I wonder how much fees, how much court fees, how much court fees cost up there. Jesus. MacArthur separated from his wife in 1997 and moved to Toronto as there was moved to Toronto as there was no gay community in Oshawa at that time. He frequented the bars of church and and well as Jesus Christmas trees. He frequented the bars of church. What? He frequented the bars, found a church in Wellesley in Toronto's gay village and moved into an apartment on Don Mills Road while pursuing a four-year relationship with another man. Man, this, whoever typed this out was all fucked up. When they broke up and his divorce was being finalized, MacArthur saw a psychiatrist and was prescribed Prozac for several months. At about this time, he was attempting to gain work as a landscaper. Well, he had a four-year relationship. He moved to an area where he would feel like he would be more accepted, which is awesome. Hit the bars up, found a church in all within the gay community in Oshawa. That's pretty cool. Well, hopefully everything goes well, which at this time we know it doesn't. So let's go ahead and get into his first assault. Of course, you know, this was going to go all bad. You know, we're, we're seeing this guy come out of the closet, try to regain his life. Try to enjoy something where he knows that things are going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right, but we know it's not. Just after noon on October 31st, 2001, a few weeks after his 50th birthday, MacArthur followed actor and model Mark Henderson into his apartment, into his apartment building after being invited into Henderson's apartment to see his Halloween costume. MacArthur struck Henderson several times from behind with an iron pipe that he often carried. God damn. That fool straight domed him up. The bing bing with the with the pipe. Hit him from behind. See, don't be a punk. Hit him from the front. Don't get him from behind. Don't get him from a back assault. Or better yet, just don't assault anyone. Period. Henderson fought back before losing consciousness. He called 911 when he awoke and was taken to St. Michael's Hospital. He had suffered injuries to his head and body and needed several stitches on the back of his head and his fingers as well as six weeks of physiotherapy. God damn. MacArthur beat the shit out of him, literally busted him up really, really bad. That's all bad. MacArthur, who turned himself in after the attack, said he did not remember the incident or why he might have done it. He pleaded guilty to charges of assault with a weapon and assault causing bodily harm. And on April 11, 2003, received a conditional sentence of 729 days, two years less a day. So he was guilty. Found He, he admitted to it. 
he was found guilty or he pleaded guilty to charges and was sentenced. And he was sentenced for 729 days just for assault. I mean, goddamn, that's a lot. A further charge of carrying a concealed weapon was withdrawn at the time. The Crown Attorney had earlier believed jail time was warranted, but agreed to a conditional sentence after psychiatric and present and pre-sentencing reports su- suggested MacArthur was at low risk to reoffend. How do you realize? I mean, how do you determine if someone is is at low risk to reoffend? Well, I never understood what that means. How do you? How does a person understand someone's uh, psychology to where? Oh, don't worry about it. This person isn't going to reoffend. Where everything's going to be fine. You don't know that. No one knows that. The only person that knows that is the person that's that's committed the crime. I mean, I understand that you want to see the good in people. That, that that's completely understandable. But at the same time, you have to be realistic and understand that, dude, shit is going to hit the fan if you don't make these guys t- f- serve the full sentence that they're given. I mean, how many people? Think about it. In all of the people in the past, if all the people who were accused or found guilty the first time of assault or murder who have committed multiple multiple murders after being let off on a light sentence, how many people would have been alive or saved had they have been given the the extent of of the punishment the first time around and forced to serve the sentence that they're given? It blows my mind. It literally blows my fucking mind that... When, when things are, are not taken care of right the first time, it's like, man, if, if you're going to, if these guys did the crime, make them do the time. Don't let them get off on technicalities and have them only serve the lightest sentence. And, oh, they're not going to reoffend. And then, you know, two years later, they've killed a whole fucking slew of people. Boy, I tell you, the victim said by the Crown to have been traumatized by the incident, did not provide a victim impact statement for the sentencing. And there, were, and there were concerns that MacArthur's unexplained behavior may have been due to the combination of his anti-seizure medication with, with amyl nitrate, a muscle relaxant, which is sometimes taken recreationally before sex. No, it was not the medications. Medications do not have that kind of symptom. That kind of side effect where it goes, where, where you take it, it makes you go off the fucking rails and you start beating people with a pipe. No, and there should have been medical doctors to make that fully understandable to where that's not an excuse. That's not a cop out. This fool beat the shit out of him consciously, coherently, and was ready to, and was, was ready to do more. You don't, oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, okay, a lot of medications have some far out symptoms. You know, we all remember Roseanne Barr and her anti her anti Muslim rant that she made against uh, Obama and some other some other gal. I can't remember her name, calling them a monkey and all this other bullshit. She was canceled from from her show. The Roseanne show was just revamped, and she lost her job because of that. She blamed it on taking Ambien. Come on now, you know what you're doing. It's not the side effects from the medication. MacArthur avoided prison, spending the first year of his sentence under house arrest, followed by a six-month curfew and three years of probation. During the sentence, he was barred from church and Wellesley, and Wellesley, except, oh my gosh, I can't pronounce that word. He was barred from church and well easily, except for work and medical appointments. He had to stay at least 10 meters or 33 feet from the victim's home or workplace, at workplace and could not spend time with male prostitutes. How in the fuck are you going to know if he's spending time with male prostitutes? So he beat the shit out of someone, but 
as long as it's not a male prostitute, he can hang out with as many people as he wants. So if it's if it's female prostitutes, then he can he can go ahead and join them and and completely beat the shit out of them as well, right? Oh my gosh, this doesn't make any sense to me. Why? Why? Tell me why. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a dummy. I should have gone pro. MacArthur was forbidden to possess firearms for 10 years. He was not to purchase, possess, or consume drugs without a medical prescription, and specifically not to possess paupers. He also had to submit his DNA to a database and was compelled to undertake psychological and psychiatric counseling, including anger management. Well, that's good. Let's help him get under control. Let's help him get his mind right. And let's put all these restrictions on him without anyone to completely follow up and enforce everything that has been put in place. It makes sense. Great. A criminal defense lawyer found the list of conditions uncommon and suggested that the judge was concerned that MacArthur was a danger to all male prostitutes. A retired homicide detective noted that parole conditions were unenforceable, unenforceable, were not published or made public knowledge, and that parole violators, parole violators were caught only if they come to the attention of police. That's my point exactly. How do you know they're hanging out with male prostitutes without, without, having, to be, without having a detail on him 24-7 days? That doesn't make any sense. You're not going to be able to keep track. You're not going to keep tabs on someone with these unrealistic concerns, with with these unrealistic rules and regulations. It's not going to happen. Why put something so stupid that's not going to work? The only time that's going to happen is someone's going to drop dimes or if they get caught literally within the face of the police. That's that's the only way that they're going to find out if if that's going to be, if that's a bad deal. That's it. I mean, if the police find out about it or, or someone drops dimes showing that, yo, he was with a male prostitute. How do you know? Because that male prostitute was me. You know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. In 2014, MacArthur was granted a record suspension on the... What the fuck? My... Oh, my God. In 2014, MacArthur was granted a record suspension on the conviction, which was subsequently expunged from his record and would not have appeared in criminal background checks during subsequent investigations. How in the fuck do you get that taken away? I know people right now who did not commit a crime and their crime is still on their record up to this date. But this guy right here is going to get a a severe assault charge erased from his record. He's not going to serve any jail time or any prison time. He's just going to get some ridiculous parole regulations and everything's going to be all right. How in the hell did he manage to get that taken off his record? That's insane. It, 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 was, it was removed completely. It's not even coming out on, on criminal investigations. Not even when your employer runs a background check, that's even going to pop up that he was arrested or in jail. Jesus Christmas trees. Most records and exhibits were destroyed in 2010 in compliance with Toronto Police Service retention policy. Damn, like that? That's how, that's how it's done out there? You know, hey, these records are old. Let's go ahead and get rid of them. And everybody has a clean slate. Damn. I mean, not that I've done anything wrong, but if I did, hey, let me move to Toronto. The only surviving documents were the transcripts. The only surviving documents were the transcripts of the guilty plea and sentencing hearing, the psychiatric report and pre-sentencing report ordered during the trial, and pictures of the victims' injuries and the weapon. Well, at least they kept that. At least they kept something so they can keep them on tabs just in case, just in case something else happens. Then we, we, you know, coincidentally, we're going to have this information. 
So he's finally going to get arrested. And he's, and of course, whenever an, an arrest comes, there's going to be an investigation. So let's find out what went on there. Police officers surveilling MacArthur decided to apprehend him shortly after they saw a young man enter his Thorncliffe Park apartment on January 18th, 2018. Believing the man's life was at, they, the police were belie- believed that the man's life was at risk. A source told CTV News that the police officers found the young man restrained on the bed when they entered MacArthur's apartment. So I skipped a whole slew of, of information because there was it was so much information or so much reporting that was here that was there. It didn't it didn't have a certain format that I was trying to put in order, and I, I, there was so much time that I, that it was going to take me to reorganize it. So let me let me run it by why the police were surveilling MacArthur's. Uh, apartments or part of his residence. Well, in that area, people were starting to become, were starting to come up missing. And in all the areas that, that these, that these individuals were coming up missing, MacArthur was right in those areas around the same time frame. And so out of precaution, they started monitoring several people that they had on their hit list or on their radar. And MacArthur was one of them. And so that resulted in the officers surveilling MacArthur's apartment to see what, if there was any suspicious activity. And of course, during that time, this young man entered his Thorncliffe Park apartment. And when they busted in, they found the young the, the young gentleman restrained in his apartment. So coincidentally, again, they were able to walk in right at the right time. If they if they would have just sentenced him to the seven hundred something days, maybe this could have been avoided. The man was shaken but not injured. Referred to in court as John, the man had arrived in Canada from the Middle East five years earlier, was married, and had not told his family that he was gay. Being from the Middle East and being gay, that's a, that's a death sentence. So I can understand why he left, went to Canada. But I mean, at the same time, if you tell your family, yo, I'm gay, and being from, you know, had their strict religious beliefs, they, he would have been reported and someone from here or Canada would have killed him. That's a fact. That's insane to me. They, so you can die for being gay. Crazy, and that shit happens now. It's still happening now uh, as we speak. Present day, two thousand twenty-one, soon to be two thousand twenty-two. People are still being murdered because of their of their sexual preference. Ridiculous. The young man met MacArthur through a dating through dating app Growler and said they had met for sex several times. He had agreed to keep his relationship with MacArthur secret and let himself be handcuffed to MacArthur's steel bed frame. MacArthur put a black bag over his head and tried to tape his mouth shut before police officers interrupted him. God dang, they're getting down with some freaky, freaky shit, huh? Handcuffs, got a black bag over his head. God dang. Good thing the cops broke in. I bet you anything the bag was plastic. <laughs> According to CP24, the officers had a search warrant for his apart- for the apartment. It was obtained after gaining blood evidence from MacArthur's van. Police seized electronic devices from the apartment, including five cell phones, five computers, three three digital cameras, and about a dozen USB drive, USB flash drives. So when they looked into MacArthur's van, they saw some blood, or I'm sorry, they looked for some blood that wasn't the, the young man's. And because of that, they decided to, we need to search this guy's house just in case there's some, there's some fishy shit going around. And of course you do that and here comes the snowball. Everything is, is out in the open. And a large-scale investigation is sure to follow, no doubt. Evidence found in MacArthur's apartment shortly after the arrest prompted investigators to charge MacArthur with two counts of first-degree murder in the presumed, presumed deaths of Andrew Kinsman and Salem Eason. Their bodies had not been found, but police said that they had a pretty good idea of how they died. It's in ya- 
it Singa was satisfied that there was enough evidence for murder convictions, even without the bodies. So there was this long scale investigation. There was a whole bunch of things going around and they started putting together the missing people that were going around the gay village out there in, in, uh, in Toronto. They started, they started to, they started to put everything together and match up blood samples and DNA linking a couple things to MacArthur. That's why, again, there's a bunch of misinformation, not misinformation, but there's a lot of information that was completely scattered all over the place. And I just didn't want to organize and put everything because I'd still be here typing in from yesterday and today. So the cops did something good. I mean, they started doing investigations and said, yo, this guy is guilty of certain crimes. We need to pursue all this shit. A source told CTV News that photographs of the alleged victims found at MacArthur's residence led to the charges. The Toronto Sun reported that MacArthur's computer had grisly photos of his suspected victims kept as trophies. You keep the evidence, you're, you're going to, I mean, I'm glad he kept the evidence, but could you imagine being the police officer or the investigation, investigative officer to find those fucking pictures on those things and just be completely taken aback? It, it's insane. I could, I could not picture, I mean, I, I try to be a cop. When I was in, uh, when I lived in Washington, I, w- I was at the oral board phase of, of the, of the, the hiring process. I had passed my physical, I passed, uh, the written re- exam. I passed, uh, well, I was given, uh, let me see, I was given my, my written exam. And then from there I was given uh, an invitation to take the physical. I went and, and took the physical. I passed that. I, I it was push up sit-ups and running a mile. I passed that. And then I went over to the oral board and what, and without, after the oral board, I had to take a psych test. But right when I was going to do the oral board, out there in in Washington, cops started getting shot at left and right. I mean, there was one cop in 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 downtown, just off of Third Avenue in downtown Seattle, that was shot while he was sitting in his cruiser doing paperwork. There was another one down there on Broadway, down in the in the uh, what is that called uh, in the Capitol Hill area, where a cop was doing a patrol on his bike and he was shot at several times. And so my kids and my wife's like, yo. Maybe you shouldn't be a cop because I don't want you to get taken out in downtown Seattle. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds like a good idea. I'm, I'm not going to become a cop. I mean, it, being a cop, it wasn't my, my number one priority. I had interest. It, it was. It sounded exciting. It sounded like something that was going to be fulfilling. But at the end, I mean, my safety is going to be number one. At the time of MacArthur's arrest... Itzinga said that police believed he was responsible for the deaths of other men and were most concerned with identifying these victims. Doing so including, included coordinating with other police services, tracing MacArthur's whereabouts and his online activity. By the end of January, Itzinga said they were investigating an alleged serial killer who had concealed evidence by burying it across the city. He described the ongoing case as unprecedented with hundreds of officers involved and, and 30 properties to be searched. God damn, that's a lot of properties. But again, he was a salesman. He went from everywhere. He was a landscaper. He went here. He went there. He had free range of everywhere. I mean, if you're not suspected of anything, you can go anywhere you want. The Ontario Provincial Provincial, Provincial Police, or OPP, the Ontario Forensic Pathology Services, and the Center of Forensic Sciences were aiding with the, with the searches of MacArthur's apartment and the lead side of property. The lease side property. Additional charges were laid, and at the end of February, the investigation was expanded to outstanding murder cases, hundreds of missing persons cases, and sudden death occurrences coordinating with other Canadian and international forces. God damn. This dude opened up a whole 
can of worms, just worms everywhere when, when they were investigating this guy. Police ex- executed search warrants on January 18th at five properties associated with MacArthur and his landscaping business. Four in Toronto and a nine-acre property about 200 kilometers northeast in Maddox, Ontario. The Maddox, the Maddox property and a home on Conlins Road were residences of Roger Horan, a landscaper and a longtime friend of MacArthur. Another property search was the condominium of Macar- MacArthur's former boyfriend on Concord, on Concord Place. These three properties were released back to their owners by January 23rd. Of greater concern to investigators were MacArthur's high-rise apartments, were MacArthur's high-rise apartment in Thorncliffe Park and the, the Mallory Crescent residence in Leaside. Damn, that fool had a lot of places. I guess he was doing well in his landscaping business. The owners of the Leaside residence were barred from their home on January 18th so that forensic investigators could search it. The search of the property. The search of the property was extended to an adjacent ravine aided by cadaver dogs and members of the heavy urban search and rescue team. Cadaver dogs took a strong interest in large planter boxes on January 19th. The planters had frozen to the ground, requiring heaters to thaw them. A large planter was wrapped on January 22nd and brought to the coroner's office. You know everything is all bad when you have a cadaver dog who who got a hit on a planter box. And what's crazy is that it's so goddamn cold in Canada. Oh, I got the chills just thinking about it. it was, it's so goddamn cold in Canada that it was frozen to the ground. Now, how big of a, how, how much of a damn crazy, ridiculous freeze did it have to be in order for them to thaw it with a heater just so they could move the planter box? Just think about that for a minute. Just, I mean, that, that's insane. That's insanely cold. And what's crazy is that the cadaver dog was able to, to hit on something. And then the whole thing was taken, and it's all bad now. It, it, it's everything. It's not looking good for MacArthur. On January 29th, police announced that they had found the dismembered skeletal remains of at least three people in two of 12 large planter boxes seized from the Leaside residence. How big was that goddamn planter box in order for them to have three dismembered skeletal remains or the remains of three people inside of a planter box. How big was that thing? I mean, it, that would have to be industrial size, like commercial size, in order for them to have three three people's remains inside of a planter box. God damn. Although the remains had not been identified, police had gathered enough evidence to charge MacArthur with three additional counts of first-degree murder and the presumed deaths of Majid Kehan, a Project Houston subject, Sarush Mahadmu, Mahamudi, who disappeared in 2015, and Dean Lissowick, a homeless man who was never reported missing. Damn, they're just throwing everything at him. I mean, being responsible for three people's death, and all of a sudden their hits are like right spot on, and you're you're done, man. Hey, you're, if they would have kept him in for 729 days, like they said they were, maybe they wouldn't have had that many victims. I mean, I would like to say they they would have had zero victims, but at the same time. I mean, not at the same time, but I mean, if, if there were to be victims, how many is better? One or three? One victim is way better than three. If you would have kept them in for 729 days or how many ever days you were going to have them in, you would have had, probably had a better chance of keeping the death count a lot lower than what we're going to get to. Former homicide detective Mark Mendelson said the investigation would become the largest Toronto has undertaken. Criminologists in Western University... 
Criminologist and Western University professor Michael Arntfield said that the alleged method of disposal suggested a sophisticated killer who had developed his craft. And as most serial killers began in their 20s, the crimes could not could go back several decades and, re- and represent the longest run of a serial killer on record. God damn. Can you imagine just being just have that kind of mentality that since a lot of serial killers begin in their early 20s, the crimes could go back several decades? Just think about if that had been true, how many bodies would have been found and how prolific would that serial killer have been, not only in Canada, but in the entire world? God damn. MacArthur's past as a traveling salesman suggested to John Bradford, a forensic forensic psychiatrist an expert on serial murders that police might have a province-wide investigation ahead of them. Toronto crime journalist, journalist James Dubrow said that, said the allegations suggest MacArthur was the deadliest known serial killer in Toronto and the most prolific gay serial killer in Canada. What well, does it matter if sexual orientation? It doesn't matter. A killer is a killer. Homosexual, straight sexual, it doesn't matter. He's still killing people. Why, why bring their sexual orientation? Motherfucker was a serial killer. Okay, you're straight. It doesn't matter. Boy, I tell you. On February 8th, police announced that they had found the remains of three more people in planners from the Leaside home and that one of the six sets of remains belonged to Andrew Kinsman, identified through, fingerprint, identified through fingerprints. Investigators said that it could be months before all the remains were identified. How big are these goddamn planters where they found that the remains of three more people? That, I mean... I mean, okay, you, you know, I'll give them credit for for where you hit them. You know, you hit them in a planter, but why would you hide them on your own? Why would you have it on? Why why would you have it on the uh, on your property? That doesn't make any sense to me. But yo, that's that's up to you, man. I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna tell you how to do it because number one, I'm not a serial killer, and number two, I'm not a serial killer. So that that's not things. But now it could be uh, uh, it, once it could be months before all remains were identified. Let's get them identified now. Additional planners were seized from across the city, including one from Danforth neighborhood and two properties in North Rosedale were searched. Cadaver dogs were having trouble detecting scents due to the cold weather and frozen ground. That's all kinds of bad. When the, when the cadaver dogs are having a difficulty doing their jobs because it's so goddamn cold. On February 23rd, MacArthur was charged with a six-count of first-degree murder and the death of Skandaraj Navartman, Navartnam, a subject of Project Houston. Navartman's remains and those of Mahamudi were identified through dental records and had been recovered from planters at Leaside Home. On March 5th, police held a press conference and released a photo of an identified deceased man alleged to be another of MacArthur's victims. They had exhausted their options in identifying the man and hoped the public could help. Damn. Not even been able to recognize one of the victims just because he's just not known. People don't know who he is. Either just not have a record. He doesn't have any enough identifiable, uh, not, not enough identifiable features to, rec- to get an identification. I mean, that's shitty. You have to ask the public for someone that they don't know. Police... L- later received over 500 tips regarding the photo and were checking on 22 potential identities. They also announced that a seventh set of remains had been recovered from the Leaside planters. Damn, we're we're at seven sets of remains now, all found in planters. That is, holy crap, how big are the goddamn planters? 
Why are why are we able to hide so many planters inside? I mean, so many bodies or remains in these goddamn planters. Dr. Michael Polanin, Ontario's chief forensic pathologist, said his organization had never before been involved in an investigation with such scope, drawing on the skills of each member for many unique challenges, such as scientific issues related to decomposition and postmortem dismemberment. On April 11th, MacArthur was charged with a seventh count of first-degree murder in the death of Abdul Bazar Faizi. He was at this point charged with the death of all five men from the Project Houston and Project Prism investigations. The charge came as Faizi's remains were identified from the Leaside planters along with those of Eason and Lissowick. Investigators had finished searching the Leaside planter from which the remains of all but Kehan had been identified. They had one set of unidentified remains. They, also, they had also searched eight additional planters from elsewhere in the city which had contained no human remains. So this guy's been charged with seven. They found seven people and he's been charged with five and they just added two more. I said, dude, this is over. It's a wrap. Game over. On April 16th, MacArthur was charged with an eighth count of first degree murder in the death of Kurushna Kumar Kanagaratnam, whose remains were the seventh set identified from the Leaside planners. Police said his name had not come from the many tips generated by the release of his post-mortem photograph, but that he had been identified with help from an undisclosed international agency. Kana Garatnam was a, was a Tamil asylum seeker who was under a, deport, a deportation order and had not been reported missing. Police said they would look into why his name was not on a list of missing persons, because they don't care about him, because he, he was an immigrant. That's why. He had last had contact with his family in August 2015, and police believe that he had been killed between September 3rd and December 14th of 2015. God damn. Can you imagine? I mean, not not, not known that you're being that, that you're missing, and worst of all, your family doesn't even know that that you're missing. You just just dead. And then they, they, they end up piecing things together. They end up piecing things together. Putting and be luckily being able to identify you, so your family who didn't realize you were missing can have some sort of closure. So his victims' trial and his sentencing. Five victims were noted by investigators for similarities: middle-aged, bearded patrons of the Black Eagle Bar, and self-identified as bears. Bears are gay men with overtly masculine traits such as beards or hairy, extremely hairy bodies. They had also disappeared over holiday weekends. Navaratnam at Labor Day, Faizi after Christmas, Kehan during Thanksgiving, Isan on Easter, and Kinsman after Toronto Pride. During MacArthur's sentencing hearing, during MacArthur's sentencing hearing, prosecutors said that the eight victims had ties to church and Wellesley Wellesley and a and a social life in the community. Physical similarities, which usually included facial hair or a beard, and six were from South Asia or the Middle East. Several of the deceased had characteristics that made them more easily victimized or the crimes easier to conceal, such as moving between temporary residences or keeping aspects of their life secret. So unfortunately, they wanted to keep it, you know, keep their, their life a secret. They, had, they were moving from place to place, so they didn't really have any solid roots or grounds to where people can easily say, oh, man, this person's missing. It's just another leaf in the wind just blown away into a pile. I mean, no one really, really knows until... People start investigating. It's a shitty thing, but, you know, if people were just accepting of other people, it wouldn't be such a big deal. 
But because they're not, people have to live their lives this way and try to find somewhere where they're accepted and not scrutinized and and assaulted just based off of their their orientation. Fucking stupid. In January 2018, a publication ban was ordered on court proceedings, limiting what can be reported in the media. Good. The media is is no good anyway. MacArthur was detained at the Toronto South Detention Center. Torstar News Service reported on March 19, 2018, that MacArthur was being held in segregation under constant suicide watch. As of November 5th, November 5th 2018, MacArthur remained held at the Toronto South Detention Center. Why keep him on suicide watch? Huh? Why are you worried about him killing himself? He killed a bunch of people. Why don't you just sentence him to death? Don't worry about him committing suicide. He's found guilty without 100% guilty without a reasonable doubt. He admitted to the murderers. They found everything pinned towards him, just sentenced him to death. Hey, Sarah, I don't know if, do 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 y'all have a capital punishment in in Canada? Or or is that, or capital punishment banned? Because here in the States, we still have the death penalty in certain states, which, I mean, again, you, you know my views on capital punishment. But at the same time, when it comes to this, why keep him on suicide watch? Yeah, I understand that taking his life is a cop-out, but why are you going to keep him alive anyway? He murdered eight people, eight innocent men who were just trying, who trusted him and were completely taken out of commission because of this asshole. Reading from an agreed statement of fact, Cantlon divulged details of the killings, which took place in Toronto between 2010 and 2017. Each murder was either premeditated or involved other crimes which qualified them as first degree. Six were sexual in nature and five included confinement. MacArthur kept trophies from his victims, including jewelry and a notebook. Let's write everything down. Let's keep all the jewelry of my victims. That way, when I get arrested, people can identify me and and pin everything on me. Good. I'm glad you you were that fucking stupid. I'm glad you kept all the shit. That way we can find you guilty and you can pay for all the shit that you've done. DNA from four of the victims had been found in MacArthur's van. Cantlon then outlined MacArthur's post-offense rituals. MacArthur had hundreds of post-mortem digital photographs of his victims, which were recovered forensically after he tried to delete them. Yeah, you're not deleting something on the computer, homeboy. Unless you know the ins and outs of something, the digital footprint is forever. Forever. I'm glad, too. This guy needed to go to prison and he needs to be locked up and, and held accountable for his atrocities. He took staged postmortem photographs, typically with ropes around the neck or with them nude in a fur coat or hat. Some photographs had them with their heads and beards shaved and he had kept their hair in Ziploc bags in a shed at Mount Pleasant Cemetery. Okay, there's, some, there's something wrong with this guy. When you're posing dead bodies for after they're dead or after you've, you've killed them, and you're dressing them up in fur coats, and then you're shaving them off and keeping or shaving them and keeping their hair inside of a Ziploc bag. There's more to you than just the urge of um, just a homosexual urge. There's, a, there's something a lot deeper going on inside that skull of yours. And you, that, that gentleman really needs help. I'm not saying that mental health is an excuse. What I'm saying is there were some big issues that should have been handled early on in his life that just were not. And again, because of, of our poor, poor way of treating mental health and having to treat mental health. I mean, it's a difficult thing. Mental, treating mental health is really difficult. But because we lack the, the advancement and the, tell, the tall tale signs, we end up with serial killers. We end up with people getting extremely hurt. We also 
end up with people who are who are not very well productive members of society. Canlon said MacArthur sought out and exploited vulnerabilities in his he sought sought out and exploited vulnerabilities in his victims that made his crimes difficult to detect that he used sex to lure them in, killing many in his bedroom through ligature strangulation. One photograph showed a rope around a victim's neck twisted with a metal bar wrapped in tape, a mechanism to, con- to control the pressure during strangulation. The bar was found in MacArthur's 2017 van and contained the DNA of Kinsman and Easton. So I know a lot of you people are like, oh my gosh, the, the atrocity, why would he do that? But you know, there's a crazy kink where you can actually, where people get off on strangling themselves. And that's why the metal bar is there. So you can tighten the, the rope around the person's neck. And when they tell you to back it off, you just undo it until they, they're, they, uh, they can breathe. Or when, when a safe word is used, they, they, uh, they, they back off and everything is okay. But this guy obviously didn't know the safe word and he killed people using that method. Using someone's kink against them, they, he killed them with that, with that reason. Or that method. MacArthur's sentencing hearing began on February 4th, 2019. A 2011 change to the criminal code permits a judge to order that parole ineligibility periods be served consecutive for offenses committed after that year, which would include six of MacArthur's murders. Good. He doesn't need parole. People who are who, who are on trial for murder, who have been arrested for murder or found under suspicion of murder should never have parole. You should not get out on bail. You should not get out and be able to go chill at, at Chuck E. Cheese and go have a nice pint or anything like that. You should just stay your ass in jail until all the shit works out. If you're innocent, then, hey, go have yourself the biggest slice of all. If you're not, then then if, if you're not, then fucking deal with it. The Crown asked for a 50-year parole and in ineligibility, in citing the enormity of MacArthur's crimes, his lack of remorse his lack of remorse, the betrayals upon his victims, the effect of his crimes on the community, and how he had been a danger up to his arrest. MacArthur's defense counsel, James Miglin, said such a sentence would be unduly harsh given MacArthur's age and noted MacArthur had waived a preliminary hearing and pleaded guilty, which benefited all involved in the the proceedings. Bullshit, it doesn't matter how old he is, he's a murderer. Keep him locked up until until they they find out what his sentence is going to be. It doesn't matter if he's 50 or, or 500. It doesn't matter. He killed people. You don't need to be young to kill people. He's fucking 50. Keep him in there. Don't fuck. Man, I, defense lawyers blow my mind. They really do. I understand that there's times that there are innocent people out there, but for the time that they're not innocent, why are you fighting for someone who is obviously guilty and is found guilty? Just, oh boy, I tell you. On February 8th, 2019, Justice McMahon sentenced MacArthur to life imprisonment with no parole eligibility for 25 years. McMahon described, McMahon described the, crime, the crimes as pure evil and stated that MacArthur showed no evidence of remorse and would have continued killing had he not been apprehended. Good. 25 years to life. Awesome. That's it. Throw the book at him. We are done. There's no point in trying to argue about what he did and, and lessen his time. There's no point. Just throw the fucking book at him. It's done. Capital punishment. Let's take him to the lecture chair. There's no other reason why they should be worried about his age. 
Despite this, he felt that the sentence should not be one of vengeance given MacArthur's age and his guilty plea. MacArthur could apply for parole when he is 91, but McMahon said it would be highly unlikely he would be granted parole. The Toronto Sun noted that MacArthur is overweight with type 2 diabetes and is, and is unlikely to live that long. Again, I don't feel bad for this guy. He killed eight fucking people. That doesn't make any sense to me. Let's worry about his eligibility and the cruelty of his sentencing because he's so old. It doesn't matter his goddamn age. What matters is that he serves the time that he's done. That doesn't make any sense. I'm telling you. Graveyard Grumbler's final rap. Let's go ahead and wrap all this up. In mid-November 2017, Richmond said that there was no evidence to establish or exclude that a serial killer was responsible for the disappearances. Saunders told the community on December 8th, the evidence today tells us there's no, there's not a serial killer. Bullshit. When you have multiple people missing, then why not assume and protect the communities, assuming that there might be a serial killer around? You can't, I mean, I understand you don't want to draw panic, but there's already panic because there's people missing. It doesn't make any sense for you to avoid that big detail about a serial killer roaming around that area. Police first said that they are Police first said that they were dealing with an alleged serial killer on January 29, 2018, confirming what some in the community have feared for years. Some questioned whether police had been taking their concerns seriously. Nikki Ward, a director of the Church Wellesley Neighborhood Association, asked, why weren't we listened to earlier? Perhaps some lives could have been saved if that was the case. 100% right. If you have a community who's worried about serial killers, don't, 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 don't disregard their worries. Because when, when there's a lot of people who are worried about something, chances are that that's going to be true. Chances are things are not going to go the way that you, you're planning on, on wanting to go. And if the, for cops to completely disregard their community's concerned about a serial killer, but then have another person of law enforcement say, yo, we might be dealing with the serial killer. It may, there were several lives that could have been saved. No doubt about it. So let's wrap this thing up. I'm glad he got caught. It sucks that it's taken him so long. In my opinion, if he would have been locked up for the 700 and something odd days, he probably would have been murdered in prison, alleviating alleviating the the community on alleviating the community on on more stress and and losing people within that community. Unfortunately, he was got off because of the ridiculous justice system that we have and the first time offenders, but. It's a work in progress. Hopefully one day we're able to fix that and the proper crime or proper punishment fits the crime, regardless if you're a first offender or not. Sarah from Toronto, out of curiosity, were you aware and in that area or close by that area when all these murders were happening? This was just here recently in the last, in the past few years. It's crazy if you if they were. Uh, let me know through email, uh, graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. Again, graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. That's going to wrap it up for me and this episode. I am glad that I did it. Again, this popped up and I was like, oh shit, let me just do this real quick. Announcements. My mo- number one most important announcement, I will not be releasing an episode next Friday only because... Not because I, 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 not because of anything bad. I just need to catch up on so much. So I have so many projects that I have unfinished, and I need to take that Friday off in order for me, or that Wednesday and Friday off to catch up on my projects. 
Thursday, I will have my live radio show on RadioKing.com. If you're interested, and trust me, there's a lot of laughs, join the join the radio show. It's live programming. Just email me and let me know if you're interested, and I can just email you the link. Send me your email if you're interested at graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. Against graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. You can even hit me up on Instagram, graveyardgrumbler podcast. Let me know. Yo, I'm interested in in the live show, and I'll send you the link when when the show starts. I usually do it at 10 a.m. Texas time. It's becoming exactly on that date for the fact that I'm getting familiar with the equipment and how to release the 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 show. If you're interested or curious on what happens in the show, I released this past I released yesterday's show on my podcast on the Podbean. It's on it's on there for you to listen. It's three hours, but I have music. There's topics that I cover. I do a few jokes. I, I, it's just a fun, it's a fun thing for me to do. I will still be doing my live on Thursday, but I will not be releasing anything on Friday. No podcast. I have to catch up on my unfinished projects that I've been neglecting and I need to get a, I need to get on top of them. I'm, I'm because of work, my full-time job and trying to do my honeydews and get this done as well. I'm, I'm just falling behind in a lot of stuff and I, and I need to get, get a handle on them. So again, next Friday, I will not have a, a podcast episode released, but I will have it the following weekend. If you're interested, follow my Patreon for extra stories and extra episodes. It's a $5 tier. I only have one tier, one tier only. That's for everyone who's interested in buying it the, or purchasing it. The link, will be in the, the link will be in the show notes. And so will my Radio King, my, my radio station link will be in there as well. Other than that, I appreciate everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you for your support. Please share my podcast, share my radio station, share, share, share. It helps my radio station grow. It helps gain, me, gain popularity, and it just makes me feel good when I get new listeners. Thank you to all my loyal and, and consistent, dedicated listeners. You mean the world to me. You have me way over 10. I think I'm like at 10. I think I'm like at 11,000 downloads now on my podcast, which is fucking amazing. I never thought in my life that I would have this many downloads. Continue listening to the show. I appreciate you very, very much from the bottom of my heart. And as always, good morning, good day, good night. Goodbye. This is the end. This is the end. This is the end. You should friend, 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 friend. Graveyard Grumbler Graveyard Podcast. Grumbler.